0: of the news this evening is speculation concerning the real facts behind the Department of Health announcement about a radioactive spill supposed to have occurred yesterday at the state nuclear plant. I you know what you're thinking. Mine's bigger than yours, right? It's not fair. Throw it away. right? All right!
1: They're coming! No, no. Tell me Tell me about Disneyland
0: They so got tons of popcorn there
1: yeah. And all you gotta do is go climb a tree To go eat it
0: <laughs> It was a night Like any other night Then Something happened Oh good lord It's It's unbelievable It's Horrible!
1: Hey! Hey, wait! There's something weird here! Welcome to the Really Awful Movies Podcast, a celebration of low budget cinema! The sleep of reason gives birth to monsters. Hi, my name's Chris, and along with Jeff, we're bringing you the very best and worst of horror, sci fi, post apocalyptic wasteland, kung fu, Women in prison movies from the 1960s to today. Check us out at reallyawfulmovies.com, part of the Crip TV family.
0: Mama, I can't stand it anymore. Please let me stay close to you, Mom. Oh, my poor darling. Can you forgive me for having brought you to this terrible place? Of course, Mom. <sighs> I love you so much. I need to feel you near me.
1: I need to touch you. When I was a baby, you always used to hold me to your breast. I loved your breast so much, Mama. Michael! From our downtown Tron headquarters, here's episode 162, Andrea Bianchi's Burial Ground. A.K.A. Vice of Terror. So this was her first uh, viewing of Burial Ground. Yeah, after seeing the iconic posters on many occasions and it just uh, never crossed the radar until it was always on the back burner. It was one of these suggestions that got substituted and bumped at the last minute for something else and now it is finally time to give this its due. <laughs> does it deserve its due? <laughs> It does. <laughs> okay, because this is the thing. I mean, I I love
0: this movie. This is one of those formative movies for me that when I was getting into the genre, I saw it out, and when I saw it, and I watched it for the first time, it kind of blew me away. And I'll talk a bit about that in a moment or two. But now, this is the very first time that I've actually shared it with somebody else. That I've walked it with somebody, and I was just waiting for that scene. And for those who are listening right now, <laughs> then you know what I'm talking about. Because when, when you say Burial Ground, and you say that scene, there's only one scene you can really be talking about. That scene. And that would be, spoiler alert, the memory Mastication. And I could not wait for you to see it. I kept saying, The best is yet to come, the best is yet to come, and it came. And your
1: reaction was awesome. <laughs> it was great. Uh, never has a memory been so badly abused since maybe Cannibal Ferox. So again, uh, but this, I think the violence and the degradation and the depredation is sort of back end loaded because the front of this movie if you will, is kind of sort of tame, but it draws you in and gets you into the mystique and into the its deliberate, very deliberate uh, plotting, but not in a negative sense, pacing. <laughs> and then you get this wonderful payoff with about 15 minutes to spare. There's no plot. Where all hell
0: breaks loose. What are you saying man? There, there, this is There is no plot no. to this movie. This is a zombie movie that takes all the boxes of a zombie movie in the sense that you have the dead, they have risen. They are hungry. They are feasting on the living. There's a small group of people barricaded in, well, not really barricaded because they can't go in and out, but they're in a confined area that in this case, being a castle. Yeah, like a villa. And, I mean, they're being turned into human charcuterie platters. <laughs> yeah. That's what the movie's all about. Delicious. There is no explanation. There's no <laughs> ecological reasoning. There's no radiation. All we have at the beginning is we have a professor, one Professor Ares, and... When we heard when we saw him for the first time, I mentioned him, we both said Rasputin at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but and also Rick Rubin, Death Jam producer. And he yeah. goes, and he says, "I am the only one who knows the secret." And he goes into some subterranean lair, and he starts picking away, picking away. And before you know it, he is beset upon by two, maybe three, rotting, desiccated, plaster casters, maggoted, plaster casted, skull infested <laughs> <plaster-casted>, <laughs> corpses. He is eaten alive. And that is the movie. It's just people being eaten alive by zombies. But that is what's so fucking awesome about this movie. It, it's it's like a punk song. Yeah. It takes a zombie movie and reduces it to its basic three chord <laughs> elements: gore, innards, guts, and sleaze. Yeah,
1: it's fantastic. But what more do you need? You have you have Professor Ayres and his conjuring up these subterranean demons, the Etruscan gods or whatever, this empire that pre... Preceded? Preceded, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> preceded the Roman Empire. And that's all you really need. What more do you need? He has the secret. He probably made some sort of incantation. That much we can sur- surmise. This is not the and first then... movie that we've talked
0: about where they've used the Etruscans as a MacGuffin. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that was, that
1: The Curse of a Faceless Man? Mm-hmm. Yeah, where I guess uh, that was set... Around uh, ancient Pompeii, and yeah, the Etruscans were, they set off that one as well. So all you need to do in order to explain the dead
0: coming back to life or some sort of reanimation is take some sort of long, dormant civilization. Yeah, do like the, the Druids
1: the or something. The druids <laughs> or the Etruscans <laughs> yeah. or the Aztecs. And the Phoenicians. <laughs> yeah, and just, you know,
0: some sort of incantation or some sort of <laughs> arcade
1: ritual, and that's all you need to have. And then got what more do you got got to need. Yeah. What more do you need? And the, the Etruscans serve the purpose quite well. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, we're in this palatial Roman estate. And uh, why these people are here is not particularly explained. Nope. There's, There's, uh, I guess, some of them are professors. They're maybe anthropologists, as is so common in our favorite genre. And they're just, what are they doing there? Nope. Just hanging out with their best There's no reason. There's no reason. They go up there.
0: (laughs) Oh, we haven't been here in six months. Where's the professor? I don't know. Oh, yeah, it's true. They
1: hadn't been there in six months, and the place doesn't look altogether different. Like, Mm -hmm. this is a 15th century palace, and it doesn't look any different from when it did six months ago. What? like? They have... Home and Garden TV didn't come in and do a Reno, like a reboot of this place. It looks like it looked yeah. back then. The servants are—they have servants. <laughs> they do. The servants don't come to the uh, to the gate when buzzed, mm.
0: but does not explain why. Well, they haven't
1: retrofitted it with a telephone, so and they are keeping it in its original pristine fifteenth century condition. Mm-hmm. The reality is nothing is explained. But what do you need explained exactly? Because all you need really is people running for their lives from these, as we call them, Dr. Fibes uh, doppelgangers who 100. emerged from, uh, it looked like, it was supposed to be a crypt, but what looked like uh, one of these like, boxes that you grow tomatoes in, that was what they were emerging from, and as they kept coming they had to fend them off using various implements, whatever they had at their disposal in this villa. Well, I mean, this is a film it's, it's, it's got,
0: look, it's got stupid characters doing stupid things and being picked off one by one yeah. by these zombies. I mean, there's stupid lines like, "Oh, I guess he's a zombie now." Well, yeah, he's eating
1: flies. What <laughs> else could he be? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got. I was reference to life? poor uh, Professor Ayers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's t- also uh, yes, it's it's time to leave. Yeah, stands to reason. And uh, again, they acknowledge, which is not frequently acknowledged in zombie films, as to how slow moving their antagonists are that surely they'll be able to run away from them but by far the stupidest maneuver is letting them in because one of them speculates that maybe there's something in the house that they're after other than human flesh Mm -hmm. that that hypothesis turns out to be proven false let's put it that way so the particulars the people in this house uh, for to the best of our abilities as we can name them uh james who's got the mustachioed fellow. But was it George Miller? Who knows. That who was knows. The, the I thought
0: it was the um, Gene
1: Wilder lookalike house. Is, oh, okay, well there's a guy with mustache. Oh, right, right, a mustache, there's a Gene Wilder yeah. Uh, yeah, with this no. uh, and the only thing these disparate people have in common is jeans that are hiked up to their nipples. That's about it. And uh, they all have their women in tow and but the thing that puts this above uh, members of its ilk in the similar genre we've podcasted Nightmare City is the incredibly bizarre, Oedipal sexual politics involving Evelyn. The this uh, I called her a knockoff Sophia Loren. She kind of is similar looking. She has a son, and Mama, we're in my yeah, We're going to explain the her uh, interesting filial relationship with this ostensible teen. And yeah. this is this guy is a teen. No, he's not. He's not. But he's supposed to be a teen. Yeah. He's, he, he is. This is
0: one of the most indelible characters in all of Italian <laughs> horror. This is... He's the only child, who quotes, brought up to this, this castle. And he is Michael, the son of Evelyn. And, I believe, George. Possibly, and, yeah. Yeah. You know, the journey's out, yeah. He is... The a, test is out on that one, yeah. I mean, whether or not... You know, before you know the sort of origins of Michael and who played him and whatnot, he's an odd-looking fellow. He is... Somewhat, he's got a kind of how would you describe? How would you describe his hair, his head? Well, again, his pants
1: hiked up to his to his chin. There's that. Uh, this is a bowl cut. His beady little uh, badger raccoon eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got this bulbous forehead. Yeah. And every time they show him, Children of the Damned, I don't they what zoom into him. Huh. So every time
0: you have a character where they have to always zoom <laughs> into you, you know that that character is somehow supposedly up to some sort of no good mm. creepiness. Well, this is this is Michael, who was ostensibly the 12-year-old son of Evelyn and actually played by 26-year-old dwarfish actor, can I say that? Is yeah, that yeah, little person, for little sure. Little person? Yeah, Peter Bark. And along with Bob in House by the Cemetery, he is probably the creepiest kid in the history of Italian cinema. This is a kid. Mama Mama! Mama! I mean, talk about an edible complex. He's got both an edible complex and an edible complex. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, He he sees his mother, and and we're debating and they arguing uh, as to who she was in in the throes of passion with. But that wasn't Uh, his mother. It is his mother, but we don't know who his father was. No, that, that, that was Leslie. The one that was dressed like a whore. I think it was Evelyn. But he said Mama. Evelyn is his Mama. Okay. Yo, mama. <laughs> Yo mama. <laughs> we don't know. See, the we reality is, it doesn't matter. Uh, no, it doesn't. We need like a Moripovich, uh, you know, DNA provenance <clears throat> for this guy. But he sees what he calls his mama in bed with this guy, fornicating, and she reprimands him for standing there and basically observing their coitus. And uh, yeah, this is the kind of weird sexual politics that is in play here, but. Is a recurring theme because they don't even abandon that, and as much as we might have wished they did. I don't wish it. Okay. I (laughs) love it. Oh, it was great stuff. And so, yeah, you have these creatures coming up from the subterranean homes, and they're all dressed in rags. They have plaster skulls that can be easily breached with whatever household implement uh, can be smacked off them. They are essentially, this is essentially neither the living dead, right? This is
0: not living dead without any sort of characterization, subtext, or artistry. No, yeah, true. But <laughs> lots and lots of stomach hurrying <laughs> gore and really creepy, disgusting sexual conduct. Subtext, yeah. And, and conduct, subtext, yeah.
1: Sorry. Whatever it is, it's not human. As one of the characters so obviously points out. Although you took umbrage with that, saying they clearly are. Human, right. because they're corpses. Yeah, yeah exactly. so yeah. When <laughs> well, I like mean, they're
0: I mean, This movie is replete with stupid lies. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, when they're talking about this missing Professor Ares or Ares. Ares, Ares. And yeah. oh, he's been doing some work with the dead. And one of the uh, characters says, and I quote, I've always been terrified of the dead. I hope we leave them in peace. Well, well generally good advice. It stands yeah. to reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when they first see one of these reanimated corpses and think, what is that? It's not human. <laughs> and I, I obviously took, I took umbrage with that line yeah, yeah, because yeah. whether, a, a zombie, maybe they're post-human. Yeah, yeah. Transhuman or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But they they, they were human. They're yeah.
1: just the post. Yeah, stuff. they're, they're posthumous. They're former they're humans. Posthumous they're posthumous humans. Yeah. They're human. But yeah. <laughs> they,
0: but, you know, they may not be, uh,
1: corporeal humans like you and I. They mm-hmm. may not be, sentient humans in the way we are but they're humans nonetheless they're not creatures they're not animals they are us they share our DNA they just happen to be mindless flesh-eating monsters yeah as is always the case and so what we got here is you would think uh, because I don't how how many of these creatures are there many. there's a giant giant Roman estate it looks like thousand thousand square feet the incredible gates uh, giant buttresses, giant uh, doors. Uh, you'd think that this is easy means to defend oneself. They're armed. They have medieval weapons inside. They've got all sorts of. And got, legged. And what? And legged. Legged? Yeah. Arms and legs. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they, they've got. Uh, and they got arms as well. The stuff that... The, what's the thing you do to use to poke a fire? Is that a pike? I oh, p- think a poker. A poker, okay. Oh, yeah. Even Yeah, well, that seems obvious. Just, How did I not know that? You still didn't get my uh, coke, right? No, arm I and not <laughs> Yes, like, now I get yeah, it. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, we're yeah, into yeah. our cups here. <laughs> uh, yeah, and but still... like, Why do this... I always have to end up saying that? Like every <laughs> third podcast, we're into our cups. Because it's always true. Mm. But uh, yeah, these guys have this fortress that seemingly cannot be breached, but it it is. And again, these creatures... When they bite, they bite, they bite, they bite, they bite, they bite. and like the Itchy and Scratchy show from <laughs> The Simpsons, they turn you into mindless, rapacious, flesh-eating zombies. Oh, that's original. It is. And, <laughs> and what we've got here is some reference material. We've got uh, Inferno Italia, their italianische horror film. So we've got a German book on Italian movies, um, Speciale 2, Hülle auf Erde, Hell on Earth, and also the incredible reference book, Eaten Alive, by, I guess, Jay Slater, which is an incredible tome that details all your favorite uh, cannibal, flesh-eating, zombie Italian films. cannibal zombie movies. Mm-hmm. This is Inferno Italia, their Italian-eat-horror
0: film, and yeah. Eaten Alive. See, the reason why I brought these books out is because this was about... 2000, when I uh, when I first started getting into the horror genre big time, or bigly, as uh, Donald Trump was saying, <laughs> and I I was in Germany, and I wanted to find some horror reference material, and I went to their equivalent of, let's say, a Barnes & Barnes Noble, and, Noble yeah. and I found this book, and this Inferno Italia, and this is a book, I mean, the cover is replete with uh, the awkward. gorgeous uh, photo from opera mm-hmm. with the woman with the... Uh, the rope around her forehead. It still creeps me out. Yeah. The, the needles in her eyes, yeah. and looking through this book, and it's all about the the um, various genres and subgenres of Italian horror. And you got the Campbell movie, you got the uh, the gut munchers, the zombie movies, you got the giallos, etc. I looked at this book, and I had to purchase it. The thing is, I didn't speak a lick of German. <laughs> this book is written in German, yeah. but it did not matter. I just bought it for the pictures. There's a lot of gory, gory pictures in this, a lot of great lobby cards, a lot of great uh, photos, and and I can kind of, sort of understand
1: what they're saying. Oh yeah, for sure. And and, yeah, and you mentioned that, like, uh, what is it, uh, Giallo films, Uh, Andrea Bianchi is known for, uh, previously to this, I guess we don't know anything he's done other than Strip nude strip Nude for Your Killer, which is, I think we included that in our list of motorcycle killer movies. Uh, Yeah, in addition to, well, you know, uh, Nail Gun Massacre and whatever. It's a common trope. But, yeah, we're not familiar with his work as much as we are with your Lenzies and your Fulties and all these guys. So, it's interesting to see what he, like, I did not see Strip Nude for Your Killer. How does this similar or dissimilar to Strip Nude for Your Killer? Or do you remember any of that? I don't remember anything. Okay. (laughs) I've seen it, but I recall (laughs) a single... <laughs> well, it's hard also to remember what exactly transpires here because there's stripping
0: nude in this movie. There is there indeed. There's a couple scenes of stripping nude. Mm. Mama, mama. Mm-hmm.
1: That is indelibly etched into my brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and other instances as well, but really, uh, there are some, for all the lack of plot and a plot that can be really condensed into a haiku, really, there's some fantastic kills. You mentioned the maid. Oh, I did say they were maids. Yes, they're they're looking right. after this right. sprawling, expansive villa. This one woman meets her demise in incredible fashion because she has a nail driven through her hand that traps her, and then she's stuck into the side of the, uh, I guess, into the brick. So she gets like a stigmata hand hammered into the. And I kept yelling because you know we were watching it together. I was yelling like duck duck because the undead is apparently able to wield a scythe so it was like death himself comes in and i just said why can't you just move because these are not the most fleet of foot creatures and so they they raise the scythe over her head and then plop like she's done like like the french revolution and she's finished yeah. and the other characters happening upon her her body is another hilarious scene because the survivors try and use her as like fish bait where they throw her behedded of corpse off the second or third floor balcony or wherever she was hanging in order to try and placate the hungry masses down below and I thought, wow, that's that's cruel, They that's committing an indignity to the body, which is an actual crime. They should not have done that. Well, the anyway, body was already beheaded, so Fair point. that's pretty, <laughs> fair, fair not, that's pretty <laughs> indignified as, you know... True, they probably gained them in every uh, maybe an extra 10 to 15 minutes yeah. of survival time. You not know. exactly dignified death when, when you, an undead <laughs> uses a... a yeah, like a sophisticated weapon to, to, to dispatch with you. Because yeah, exactly. we're mostly familiar with the undead just grabbing you, and which is, is common in this movie, too, where they reach... Maybe for your eyes, gouge your eyes out, maybe throttle you, and maybe like eat your viscera out. But never, like wielding weapons, that's pathetic. Sorry, yeah.
0: Well, in Nightmare City they do wield weapons. Uh And that's the whole thing. Like I I put this movie in, again, what I call the mongrel zombie movie. In the sense that, what is a mongrel? A mongrel is sort of like a combination of a whole bunch of other things. You know, different... um, breeds of dog but it's not a purebred. It takes elements of other breeds and becomes its own sort of mutt. And I put Nightmare City in that boat. I put Dr. Butcher M.D. in that boat. And I put <laughs> this one in that boat. I love these mongrel movies. I love these gut monkers. That's all this is. It's a gut monker. It's all just a big gore fest. And mm. there is no plot. You could write the plot on a matchbook. Yeah. But it's a, a movie you could put on say you're having a Halloween party. You could put on mute. We can just, you know, have a little conversation, look over. Oh, God, that's gross. <laughs> and it's great. But it's funny because, you know, I brought out these books. And I'm just feeling a little bit nostalgic because, yeah, I mean, back in the day before the Internet was... I mean, there, there was Internet at this point, but it wasn't as ubiquitous as it is today. Uh, I get to use the Internet. I had to basically go to a library or something. I bought these books, and that's how I found out about these movies. And then I had another challenge. I found out about these movies... Now I have to find these movies. And I had two movies that I had to see based upon my research from books. One of them was the one we're talking about right now, Braille Ground Nights of Terror. The other one being the aforementioned Dr. Butcher, M.D. And I recall waltzing into our favorite video store we've mentioned many a time.
1: Now defunct? Well, they were still
0: open for a couple more weeks, but soon to be defunct. I remember exactly, I can picture it, I can close my eyes and see myself almost 20 years ago walking into that store, walking into the Italian horror section, flipping through the boxes and finding a copy of Burial Ground and Dr. Butcher MD, renting those two movies, taking them home on the bus, feeling like I had something really dirty, something really wrong, something almost a like contraband pumping those two films in and just being blown away. Revisiting Burial Ground, I realized that my memories of Burial Ground are a lot more than what the movie is because I sort of remember it having a bit of a plot. I <laughs> think back then, all I wanted was gore and sleaze and it gave me that in spades. Now I'm watching it going, wow, this is a lot of gore and sleaze, but not a lot of plot, not a lot of subtext, but you know what, it doesn't matter. This is just basically—it's a monster. It's a party film. It's fun, and any movie where you have a 26-year-old dwarf playing a 12-year-old who is yearning to be breastfed by his mother, Mama, Mama, oh, man, when I was a baby, you breastfed me. How do you oh, remember gives that? Gives me the willies. Yeah, and, yeah, and then, and meanwhile, he's his other hand is going where it shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah. As one hand is fo- is is far yeah, south of the equator, right there. Yeah, and then. He's kissing his mom on the lips and asking to yeah take be close things further. To her. Yeah. And then, of course, at the end of the movie, there is the culmination of this edible, edible relationship. <laughs> just it, I don't know. It, it never loses its power to to titillate.
1: Yeah. pun <laughs> there. Yeah. Spoiler pun there.
0: And just to make me feel like a kid again. Yeah. It makes me feel like like this is kid like looking for cheap thrills. And finding it and loving it, and saying, Well, I cannot believe that there's a world out there where they make these unhinged movies, and I can actually have access to them, watch them, rent them. That's uh, an
1: interesting so- experience. You mentioned like having to furtively uh, take them home with you in the case of like Dr. Butcher and Burial Ground, because I just had that experience several months ago where it would have been maybe a women in prison film or like a, one of the Ilsa movies where. Yeah, people younger listeners might not appreciate you have to conceal this because I was taking a subway home and I frequently would ask for a bag to hold the contents of my rental uh, stuff because you cannot be seen with an ilsa movie with a wip movie Are you with be seen you can be but not a du- like you're gonna You're going to get... You just don't want to be seen. I don't want to be... No, it was an actual transgressive act to go seek out these movies and stuff them into your jacket. And this is something I did as a kid, and then I I thought, like, geez, 20 years later, I'm I'm doing the exact same thing. And uh, we're hoping, because the various means of accessing these are being progressively chipped away at, if that's a horrible sentence as well, but uh, (laughs) we can only hope that people will seek out these films and... By virtue of being able to, you know, use every avenue available to them, whether it be our site, reallyawfulmovies.com, to be able to seek these out and support this kind of movie making, so it's not lost to the ages. It's part of a time capsule kind of movie. I, I was thinking about if they were to remake this, and they really can't because there's no way you could recreate this and not be critically excoriated and lambasted is you have a, a midget a dwarf a 26 year old playing a 12 year old who sucks at his mama's teat and that's something that you can't really convey on poster art or really <laughs> you, you cannot make this mass appeal so kudos and credit to the italians this is an interesting period and it cannot be recreated as much as we would like it to, or maybe it can be. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but regardless, like, well, i it probably
0: could be just not in the mainstream, and that's the thing is that these gut munchers are actually mainstream films in Italy, which I to this day <laughs> yeah, blows my mind. mind. But this because... is the
1: same country that elected Silvio Berlusconi as as head of state, who who makes Donald Trump look like a piker. He's so corrupt. So yeah, I don't know what to make of Italians. I don't, but. Again, they've, they've sort of lost the plot, too, because they are the, the mantle of great horror film making has been taken over by the likes of the French and, hell, maybe the Turkish, the, the Spanish, everyone else but them. And I don't know what is happening in the Italian horror scene now, but it's certainly not uh, particularly fertile ground. But not at all, no. I mean, there's, there's something to be said for this kind of movie, because at one point in, in it, you were mentioning to me that the dialogue is completely screwed up, vis-a-vis English to Italian translation. We swapped them, and then watched a little bit of the Italian and how like completely different it was. Uh, and then we switched back to the ADR. And there's something about the ADR that puts you in a mood. There's something about Italian films that puts you in a mood that is so separate from what you can get from the domestic scene. It's uh, I, I used the term plodding earlier on, which can be seen as a pejorative, but it really shouldn't be. There's a uh deliberateness and a, per, there's a, a slow there's yeah, la- yeah language there but not just
0: have that sort of languid, ethereal, sort of almost dreamlike.
1: This feel. was dreamlike yeah. because they're going from room to room in a house trying to escape a menace, which is essentially every terrible nightmare I've ever had, where you just they try a doorknob and then it leads into another room and then there's something else that could be attacking you there. It really has that dreamlike quality. And there there's a certain pacing, there's a certain uh, investment albeit very tenuous, limited investment of these characters. But there's lots of talking earlier on. Well, I mean, but, but the thing about this movie is there really is no character
0: development. We don't know much about these people. We don't know much about their lives. You don't really know who they are. That's why we're even confused as to who... Who is who. Who, who is married to who and who is <laughs> you know, sired uh, this this uh, yeah. <laughs> kid, Michael. But the reality is, well, we know that Evelyn's his mother, but that's why... There may have been a lot of talking, but there's also a song by James Brown where he says, you know, talking loud and saying Say nothing. nothing. Yeah. And that's what uh, this movie is. It's yeah. The plot is inconsequential. It's really just stringing along a bunch of set pieces and putting them all together into one deliciously gory bouillabaisse. And I love it. Oh, I yeah. absolutely adore these. this sort of go-for-the-gusto, unhinged Italian filmmaking. And this is the type of films that are Certainly lost to the ages when it comes to horror. But, you know, old-school horror fans like you and I, we keep them alive, and there's a lot of other people that are keeping them alive. With their pre- I mean, this film was just re-released on Blu-ray by... Uh, Severin. And it
1: looks amazing. Mm-hmm. And we got to say, the transfer is really cool. And uh, what a great way to reintroduce younger people to this movie. But
0: younger filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Are they going to be making this type of movie? Will, will this type of movie be embraced by those that enjoy your conjurings and your insidiouses and your Annabelles and that sort of spooky model with the jump scares and the, you know, possessions or whatever, I, I have no use of that sort of stuff. You give me psychological
1: or give me just <laughs> the <fest? laughs> Yeah. Give me liberty or give me death. Yeah, uh, so what did we learn from this movie? I'll start, I guess. I learned that when you defend yourself using a pitchfork or various means, uh, poker, piker, when you breach their skin, they actually bleed beige drywall, which is really weird. And uh, you mentioned also that, unlike Nightmare City, one of the characters, I believe James, the mustachioed fellow, he mm-hmm. has a shotgun, a double barreled shotgun, and he's aiming at their noggins. But there's no explanation that this is a way to repel these creatures. Well, he just Be- comes
0: in there and it says, all of a sudden, we have to start aiming at their skulls. That's the way. He, what, what,
1: what scientific inquiry did he use to come to this conclusion? It's just we've come to learn this. I don't know, uh, but it works. And so he's uh, on the balcony, a lot like Romeo and Juliet. Uh, maybe that's a terrible analogy. And he's <laughs> he's just shooting all these. i or say more creatures. like Carl Starkweather or something, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. picking them off from the <laughs> yeah from the, the from the tower. And he's just picking them
0: off. What else did we learn? I, well, I mean, I learned that mammary mastication was definitely something
1: that was in vogue at the time, because you had it in this film, you also had it in Nightmare City. Uh, yeah, or in the case of Cannibal Ferox, uh, mammary mauling, mm-hmm. I guess, because uh, the unfortunate victim in that film was suspended by her boobs, by these cannibalistic tribesmen. Incredibly <laughs> gory, disgusting, really. I don't know if this one reached, I don't know, do you want to call them heights, depths of that? Uh of maybe <laughs> this, this, I don't want to call this tame because there's some gruesomeness in it. It doesn't, yeah, uh, this is a different, this is a mongrel film, so it's not strictly a cannibal movie, and those are known for. Well, it's not a okay. cannibal, it's a zombie movie. It's a zombie movie, mm-hmm. yeah, it has elements of the cannibal genre, but it's doesn't. Well, every zombie movie does have mm-hmm. elements
0: of the cannibal genre because zombies are flesh eaters,
1: yeah, it just doesn't reach the depth that those. Scale, however, the it has its depths
0: of depravity. It of, does, yeah, yeah.
1: and mm-hmm. weird innards eating a lot of Dr. Butcher MD, enough for us to be able to fully commend it, that's for sure. But I'm commending it, I am as well. Uh, four star for me. I, I was, it's this is one of the few uh, we generally tend to mention it when we're watching a film together. Generally, we will prepare a movie, write, take notes, do a little research, and then meet and then podcast. This one we watched together with our pristine. Beautiful, lovely transfer on a what is this? A sixty-one-inch television? Is this what this is? It it dwarfs the room. This is a monster television, and I, I was applauding in the middle of this. Uh, I was so happy. It just took me back to my childhood. Uh, I don't know what that says about me, but I was I was thrilled. I was laughing. I was I was. Overjoyed. You no, know, it's
0: not the size of the television. That's what you can do with it. it this is true. So, yeah. yeah. No, I feel the same way. I mean, it, it, this brings me back to you know to, to all those years ago hunting down these movies and finding them. That you know, fe- that feeling of having something that's like so wrong, and you're putting it, even watching it, you feel a little bit dirty. Yeah. Like you're seeing something you shouldn't be seeing. And uh, it's 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 it harkens back to a bygone era that I I feel unfortunately might be slipping away quicker than we. Yeah, I would like it to so I'm gonna give this. I'm not gonna give it four stars though because there there, there is pacing problems I mean, yeah. and plotting problems. So I'm gonna give it a solid three and three quarters.
1: All right, yeah, fair enough. Uh, it's maybe not okay. You can mention it in the same breath as Nightmare City. It's maybe not a classic. Maybe I should revise my my scale to three and three quarters. Yeah, indelibly fun, wonderful set pieces. Gorgeous settings. Like we were just speculating as to what it would be like to live in this palatial estate with these twenty-foot-high fresco Mm -hmm. ceilings. It was incredible palace and these four-poster, like Louis the Fourteenth beds. This is lush, beautiful surroundings. Beautifully set movie, if not wonderfully filmed. This is not Andrea Bianchi. Is not by no means Dario agento stylistically. Still beautiful movie well worth checking out. And any movie that causes us to reference The Sinful Dwarf is aces in our book, top notch, because that's a movie everyone should see as well. And everyone should check out our website too, www.reallyawfulmovies.com. Check it out with new reviews two to three times a week. Follow us on Twitter, awful underscore movies. Send us your favorite uh, gut muncher cannibal zombie films and we'll be happy to review them. Awful underscore movies on Twitter and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. <laughs>